0: And so, when you hear the word meditation, the first thing that comes to mind might be that of someone sitting with their legs crossed and their arms outstretched, maybe their eyes closed, maybe even somebody doing something like, "Um," or something like that. And when you hear meditation, it might conjure up uh, the image of a wise old sage, like, I don't know, Yoda from Star Wars. And you hear the word meditation, it might even conjure up the image of some kind of guru from an Eastern religion, a Sikh, a Hindu, uh, a Buddhist, or something like that. But when a lot of us hear meditation, it's not something maybe that we think about engaging in ourselves. It's not something that we think that, well, that's not something that regular people do or that's not not necessarily something that normal people do. That's not something that I would do. So you may be surprised to find that meditation is mentioned in the Bible dozens of times. At least 15 times just in the book of Psalms. We continue our series this morning on daily reminders. Looking at what we can do on a daily basis. Each day as we seek as individuals to grow spiritually and to grow closer to God. And so we look today at the practice of meditation. What exactly it is. And so it is defined as the act of calling to mind some supposition, pondering upon it and correlating it to one's own life. We're thinking about something. We ponder it. And then we correlate it. How does that fit into my life? There are lots of things that people can meditate on. People can meditate on good things. People can meditate on negative things, even evil things. Someone who is going to carry out or perpetuate an act of evil. You know, Jeff mentioned to us when he was the making the announcements this morning that, you know, when he gets word that there's somebody outside that, you know, that, hey, something may not look exactly right, his first thought is well, there may be a problem. Now, of course, we understand why that is his thought. We've seen on the news enough times over the last 15 or so years, the number of times that someone entered some place of business, some school, and unfortunately, yes, even some houses of worship, and did things that are evil. I don't say that to scare us this morning. We have safeguards in place. We have people in place to help protect us in the unlikely event that something like that would ever arise. But I have no doubt that the people that carried out those acts, they meditated on what they were going to do. They considered it. They pondered it. And then they did something that was evil. And so we're looking today, of course, at the positive side of meditation. So I invite you to join me in Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. And so right there we see the term meditate. Meditate on what, church? Meditate on His law. When, day, and night. Now, meditate doesn't necessarily mean the activity of reading God's Word. But meditate is that process of pondering, that process of considering. And so when we meditate, we are filling our thoughts with something. The reality is, whether we realize it or not, we all meditate. We all think about things, don't we? We ponder things. I can't imagine a moment in my life when my mind is just completely blank. If you can do that, congratulations. My, my noggin never quite shuts down. There's always a thought in there about something. And so, and so the idea of meditation is what are we filling our mind with? What are we filling our thoughts with? When we're thinking about something, how much of that time that we're thinking is devoted to something that is pure, something that is holy, something that is good, something that is righteous? You see what the psalmist here says about that the person who meditates day and night on what is good, on God's word. They're like a tree planted by streams of water, which does what, church? They yield their fruit in season. Now, Wednesday nights, we've been reminded for weeks now and for a few more weeks about the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, all good attributes. When we are in the act of bearing any of those positive attributes, we are bearing good fruit. And don't we want to be people who bear good fruit? Yeah, we certainly should. And so the person who meditates on the law day and night is that person who yields fruit in season. And so uh, the psalmist there contrasts what is good and what is wicked right there. And so we certainly want to be among those who are good. We want to be like that person planted by the streams of water, the person who is in that good place, the person who is able to take the good nourishment, the spiritual nourishment, and then in return we bear good fruit. We think about the most famous of the Psalms, Psalm 23, looking at these first three verses. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. you think about those words of David right there. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I've got everything I need. But then I think about, as I ponder this psalm, as I meditate on it, he makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters. Does the Lord really make us do anything? Doesn't he give us free will? Doesn't he give us freedom of choice? So why is it that he uses this term? That he makes me lie down in green pastures? Because David has already referred to God as his shepherd. If we're the sheep of the pasture, then what are we doing in relationship to the shepherd? aren't we submitting to the shepherd aren't we yielding to the shepherd aren't we saying shepherd please guide me and so when we submit to God when we allow him to have control of our lives when we let him lead us where he wants to lead us then he's going to say yes come this way No, don't go over there. There's trouble over there. So come and go this way. And this is the point where you need to lie down. You need to take a load off. You need to take a rest. And then what do we get in return when we submit to him or we allow him to guide us? Well, it refreshes our soul. You see, the refreshing of the soul comes after the lying down, comes after allowing ourselves to be led, doesn't it, church? And that's the part that many of us struggle with, isn't it? It's the giving up control. We want to do it our way, on our terms... And I've said for a long time, that's one of the toughest things about being a child of God is being willing, trusting God enough to give up control. And we realize that we're in control of so very little to begin with. So much of life is out of our control. Our relationships so much of our relationships are out of our control. We can't choose to make someone else love us the way we want to be loved. But it's a beautiful thing when we're able to enter into a relationship and someone does love us the way we seek to be loved and we in return can love them. I'm going to be doing a wedding this afternoon down at NACO. So in just a little over an hour from now, I'll be standing there pronouncing someone husband and wife, and what a beautiful thing that is. But what does it rely on? It it relies properly on someone thinking of someone else more than they think of themselves someone is willing to give up some of the control of their life to another person yielding submitting to someone else and our relationship with God is certainly that way we give up control we let him lead and what does he what do we get in return he refreshes our soul We look over at Psalm 119 as we let these words sort of wash over us this morning. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His statutes and seek Him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. And right there, the psalmist saying, Oh, only if I got it right all the time. Only if my ways were steadfast. Only if I was batting a thousand. The psalmist having a moment of humanity there, a moment of transparency and honesty, saying, oh, man, there's times I don't quite get it right. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. Don't give up on me, Lord, is what the psalmist is saying. Don't forsake me. Admitting that there is a falling falling short at times. And then, continuing on with the next section, beginning with verse 9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes. As one rejoices in great riches, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. And so, the psalmist here, in this moment of honesty, acknowledging I've got to learn. But how do I learn? I learn because I meditate. I devote time. I fill at least some of my thoughts with what is good. With thinking about what I read in your word church family, we've only got so much space in our noggins. Wouldn't you agree? Okay, this isn't some kind of bottomless pit. That's why we forget things, right? Yeah. And so if we've only got so much space in here, doesn't it behoove us to fill it with as much good stuff as we can? That we're filling our thoughts with what is good, with what is positive, with what is holy, with what is pure, that that's what we're filling our minds with. That we're not filling our minds with that that is negative all the time. We find ourselves filling our thoughts with things that are impure, that are negative most of the time. And then we're going to find ourselves struggling spiritually more often. We're going to find ourselves wrestling with doubt even more often than what might be natural for a typical child of God. And so we have to be intentional about filling our thoughts, filling our minds, what we ponder, what we meditate, what we think about thinking about those things that are good. This slide represents just a sort of a small sample of different hobbies that people can have. For some it might be sports. For some it might be knitting or crocheting, quilting, making things. For some it can be hunting and fishing. Some people like to get get together and play cards. Some people play video games, listen to music, go camping. Maybe you spend your time gardening. But you think about all the things that we do with our time. Now hobbies are healthy. Hobbies can be a very healthy and productive escape. So there's nothing negative I'm going to say about having hobbies. Hobbies are a great thing. Hobbies are something you can invite someone to go along and do with you. Now, I will say, there can be an unhealthy aspect of our hobbies if they consume too much of our time. But when you started doing something, when you started fishing... When you started uh, knitting or crocheting or, or gardening, didn't you have some things to learn? There are things, you, you took a notion, I'm going to learn how to do this. Maybe someone introduced you to it when you were young. And so you had a mentor, you had a guide, someone who helped you get better at it. Okay, My dad taught me how to fish when I was young. But I gotta tell you, I hadn't fished in a long time. You put a fishing pole in my hand right now, rod and reel, and uh, I'm gonna need a few reminders at this point. All right, I'm, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need somebody to kind of remind me. Now this is how you do it, and this is this is why you don't do that, and this is why you do this. And then if I do that, get a little repetition going. Then it's like okay. Then yeah, I re- this is coming back to me now. I remember this. And then what am I likely to do? I'm likely to get better at it. We spend time doing something, and especially if we have a little bit of guidance, we get better at it. We learn from our mistakes. We see the fruit of our labor. You spend time doing something, and then you grow in whatever that is. To the point that maybe you look like an expert at some point to someone else. Church family, our spiritual growth is exactly that way. We have to be intentional about it. We start out, it's helpful when we have people in our lives that can guide us. We don't just open God's word and suddenly we're experts. We don't walk into a church building after a baptism and suddenly we're experts. No, our Christian walk is just that. It's a journey. And we learn things on that path. We get better at it. But we never get better at it if we don't devote the time necessary. I think about years ago when I was a kid and my dad taught me some things about golf and then I took his golf clubs off uh, to college and I even took golf as a PE course one semester and uh, and things were going pretty well and then I broke my thumb and I had to take an incomplete in golf And so then I had to make up the incomplete. So what happened between the time I was playing golf, swinging that club, making contact with the ball on a regular basis, and slowly, 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 slowly getting better, and then the end of the next semester when I'm contacting the golf teacher and saying, yeah, I... uh, is there a time that I can take my, my skills test, my makeup test? And because I was able, you know, my broken thumb on my non-dominant hand didn't prevent me from taking the written test at the end of that semester. But I couldn't take the skills test. So now, it's months have gone by since I've swung a golf club, of course. And so I go out there with my 7-iron. And he sticks a pin outside of Murphy Center and uh, in the lawn out there. And he's got a couple of guys helping him. And I've got to hit that. You know, I've got 10 golf balls to hit. And I've got to hit them, aim them at that flag stick, right? And then his guys measure the distance. I got a C in golf. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, the, the written test went a lot better than the skills test. The skills test was pretty embarrassing. And yeah, I got out there thinking, oh, I got a skills test on Thursday afternoon. So what did I try to do? I got out there on Tuesday and Wednesday and tried to cram for that test. Well, no, that didn't go so well. Why? Because I was no longer dedicated to the craft. I was no longer dedicated to getting better in that particular thing. And it showed. I showed up for my skills test to resolve that incomplete and I wasn't prepared. I had gotten away from it all as the voice of Van Morrison enters the assembly this morning. It's okay. I know, I know, right? It's okay. We could have heard worse things this morning, sister. Uh, But yeah, we have to be intentional is my point. We have to work at it. We have to work on filling our minds with those things that are good. And so as we draw our time together to a close from Philippians 4.8. To your brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. And by here, fix doesn't mean repair. It means focus. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Why does Paul encourage us to do this? Brothers and sisters. Because when we fill our minds with those things that are admirable and worthy of praise and excellent, then there's a whole lot less space than for those things that are not admirable, that are not worthy of praise. Light chases away darkness every single time. It always will. Let's spend our time pondering those things that are in the light. May God help us to be those people as we seek to grow closer to Him. If you're with us today and you are ready to submit to God, you're ready to say, I'm ready to begin my faith journey. I'm ready to start walking on that path. I'm ready to start learning. I'm ready to start growing and getting closer to God. It starts with simply proclaiming that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Choosing to turn away from the old life. And then we make the waters of baptism available to you this morning to begin that spiritual journey as a child of God. If you're with us this morning and you've got something that you're dealing with, something that you would appreciate us praying with you about, then we offer the invitation for that reason as well. Let's stand and sing. Hayden.